Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Capturing people's attentions is harder and harder these days. People have limited attention spans. So how do you get their attention so they read your stuff? Hi, I'm Dan Janelle. I'm the author of Write Your Book in a Flash. I'm a book coach, developmental editor, and ghostwriter. And no matter where you are in the writing process, I can help you. Our guest today is Ben Gutman. He's the author of Simply Put, a book that I highly recommend that will help you write. <laughs> he holds it up. Very good. <laughs> watching um uh it's a book that's definitely going to help you attract and keep more readers longer welcome ben thanks for having me dan great to be here my pleasure so tell us why why is it so hard to capture people's attention these days we all have great content don't they want to read our content i think that's part of the problem is that everybody has such great content uh you know the average american spends about 13 hours a day consuming some form of media right we are blasted every which way, every waking minute by tons of things to pay attention to. Um, and we are just not built for this, right? We built, we grew up as a species in a world where a lot of things wanted to eat us, where we were really uh, attuned to a rustling branch or some blade of grass flickering off in the distance. And it was beneficial for us to be able to kind of go back and forth between a lot of different options. But today, the the scarcity is not in you know in food or in hunting a woolly mammoth. Uh, the scarcity is in our attention because everything we do is trying to get our attention in some way, shape, or form, buzzing, beeping, uh, flashing, or, or otherwise. Yeah, uh, that's so true. So people spend so much time on, say, TikTok and YouTube Shorts and Netflix and other things. So how can we capture them? How can we get them to read our stuff? How can we grab them away from all the other things that are pulling for their attention. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember a number of years ago, uh, Netflix was saying their competition isn't Hulu, it isn't Amazon Prime, uh, it isn't HBO, it's sleep, right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a finite number of hours in the day, there's a finite number of, of things you could pay attention to. And once you get to a certain point, you're not competing between being on this app or that app. You're competing between being on TikTok or being asleep or, or taking a shower or cooking dinner. And those things uh, uh, th th those things are really kind of what we're, we're competing against. So the, the issue that we have to grapple with whenever we're the one with a message. And so my, my background's in marketing. If you're a marketer, you're on, you, this is one of those things you kind of taught from day one. If you're in sales, same thing, uh, which is features versus benefits, right? A lot of us talk, we write about features. We'll talk about features, um, but we, we don't necessarily connect that to the next level down. Um, if you are, uh, this is a, this is a, actually, I'll summarize it this way. There's a sentence that I tell uh, my students, so I teach marketing at Baruch College. Uh, I, tend to, I tell my students, if you remember this sentence, it's better than any, and, and you'll be ahead of everybody else. If you just remember this from your entire degree, you you got your money's worth. Uh, and it's not from me. It's from a professor from the 20th century named Theodore Levitt. Uh, it's a, it is, no, people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill 
They want a quarter inch hole. People don't want a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole. They don't want the thing and they want what the thing does for them. And we like to think, let's say we're a writer. Well, we might put in our in our marketing copy, well, this has this many pages, this many words, has interviews of so-and-so, it's got studies about X, Y, and Z. And all that might be true, but those are all features. You want to connect that with what the reader is actually interested in. What do they want? What is the benefit to them? That's the way which you actually, you can, you can break through that, that 13 hours worth of noise. Great. I've, I, I, I'm very familiar with uh, that, and I've seen it expanded upon lately. That they don't want the, what it they don't want just what it can do for them. They want the emotional mm -hmm. bit of what it can do for them. So the drill, the hole, it'll give them a sense of feeling of accomplishment that they've completed this do-it-yourself project. And if you've ever put together an IKEA couch or desk, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so well, I, I'm so glad you you mentioned that real quick. I'll jump in, which because in in my book, uh, I actually say almost exactly the same thing. Which is, there's so there's features. Features exist in the real world. Those are the five senses you can see, hear, smell, touch, taste them. Then there's the first level benefit. You ask, so what? That's the functional benefit. That's what you were just describing. Well, I have minty flavored toothpaste. So what? Well, I'm going to have fresh breath. Right. That's the first piece of it. But you don't even want fresh breath. You want the next piece. So you ask, so what again? And that brings you to that emotional benefit that you were just mentioning, which is, well, I have minty flavor. I have fresh breath. So I'm going to have a more successful date tonight, right? That's what I actually want. It's not that I just even want the, the thing. I want two levels or three levels deeper often. Exactly. So when, when you're writing, that's what you should be thinking about. Always ask, so what, so what, so what? So you get to that final point, which is really what your reader wants to know about. What other rules or tips or examples can you share with us about writing styles or things that will capture people's attentions? Well, if we're talking about language, one of the other things to keep in mind um, is uh, the English language is a very condensed language. There's something called known as Zipp's Law. We don't need to get into the detail there. But basically what it says is the top handful of words are used all the time and the long, long, long tail of big words and scientific nomenclature, which is one of those words, um, are <laughs> you know barely ever used. Uh, the top 100 words in the English language account for about 50% of the usage. The top 1,000 words account for about 75% of English as it's used. So all that is, is to say, if you try to base your communications, base your writing, base your email, base your website, in try to ground it in as many of those high, uh, high um, volume words, more people are going to understand it. More people are going to get it. It's going to it's going to connect. It's not going to require that extra stress for somebody to get um, to get all the way to the end of it. Um, and the reason that's important is each bit of language that you're a little bit unsure about, that you're not sure what the meaning is going to be, um, is a point of friction. And what you want when you're guiding somebody from point A to point B as part of a marketing journey, a sales journey, is you want to eliminate the friction as much as possible. You don't want somebody to have the opportunity to pull off. Um, because again, there's lots of distractions. There's lots of other advertisements. There's lots of other websites, Instagram accounts, books that are competing for our attention. And if you're making it difficult for somebody to get through your journey, they're going to pull off uh, and, and go somewhere else. 
Great. Uh, two follow-up questions there. Um, do you know where there's a list of those words? Yeah. So the the one that I reference is from uh, the Oxford English Corpus, uh, which is a project that the Oxford English Dictionary put together, where they took several billion wor- you know uh, words from different newspapers, books, whatever, and they ran a bunch of uh, experiments on it and kind of data science pieces. Or you can go online and, and kind of search top 1,000 words. It's a little bit of an inexact science. You can kind of you know find different websites here or there. But um, if you want to have an example of somebody who's used that really effectively, so Randall Monroe, who is a webcomic uh, and author, he wrote a book called Thing Explainer. And Thing Explainer, is, you may have seen it you know, in the bookstore somewhere. It's got funny illustrations. He goes through and he explains things as complicated as a nuclear bomb or the microwave or the Supreme Court using just that list, just 1,000 most commonly used words. And some of it is very funny because you can't use certain words that you think might be common for it. Or, or, and so you end up with things like thing explainer. The word a thousand isn't in the thousand most commonly used words. So it's 10 hundred is actually how he describes it in the, uh, uh, in the, the subtitle. So that's a great example of somebody who's done that. You don't have to limit yourself to the thousand, but it's a good kind of stress test on your messaging. There's a number of tools online which you can, you know, yes, there's the list of it, but also you can paste your text into it and it'll kind of throw up red flags for saying this word doesn't count, this word doesn't count. Uh, and it, it's it's a it's a good set of eyes to, to have on your message. Great. Uh, when I was a newspaper reporter, we were supposed to write at an eighth grade level. I think it was eighth grade, led in fifth grade. Do you have any idea what that grade level is now? Well, you know, the, you shouldn't dumb down your stuff to the point where it becomes more uh, friction, more frictionful, more more stressful to read it, uh, to get to it. But uh, there is some data that I've seen which indicates that the an email subject line, for instance, the most effective email subject lines. Because if anybody who's ever sent something in MailChimp or another platform will know you get a bunch of data back on it. And so uh, there's an app called Boomerang that that is an email program, and they published some research on this. And they said that the email subject lines that get the best response are written at a third grade level. Third grade. Uh, and that, that's where you want to be for, for kind of optimal uh, understanding and, and uh, fluency. Okay, uh, great. Uh, and I know that Microsoft Word has all sorts of calculators that will tell you what grade level you're reading at, you're writing at, and such like that. One other thing that, uh, one of the tips that I have in that regard is that there are Anglo-Saxon words and there are Latin words. Uh, and people respond better to Anglo-Saxon words mm-hmm. like get, as opposed to a uh, Latinized word or Latinized, like derived word like receive, mm-hmm. I guess there are $10 words, too, that are just too highfalutin that no one would really respond to or they think, who is that guy? <laughs> but that wouldn't work. Uh, let's talk about sentence structure for a few minutes. Uh, um, are there any tips you have for us in terms of how to write sentences so they are clearer? I know a lot of people today put in filler words like just, so, and other words like that. On the one hand... It makes it very, it makes the writing sound very informal and friendly. On the other hand, every grammar checker in the world will flag you mm-hmm. for it. Um, what are your thoughts about that? So I think that it's important in most contexts to write like a human, right? And the, and sometimes that does mean more words. So when I talk in the book, I talk about minimal as one of the principles behind simplicity. 
minimal doesn't mean the fewest number of words, fewest number of sentences, paragraphs, pages, slides. It means the least amount of friction, which I just mentioned before, as that is the that is the enemy. That is the design enemy of, of getting somebody to a goal is to have the friction. And sometimes that means having more words. And sometimes that means having those, those uh, bits of language that help people make sense of everything else that you're saying. I tell a story sometimes of, um, I went to dinner with a few friends a while ago and one of their, uh, employers, some of our friends there, uh, was all over the news because there was some terrible product recall. It was, you know, they're getting made fun of on late night shows. It was a whole, a whole thing. And so of course somebody sits down and says, well, how's everything going at company X? And they launch into, well, it's unfortunate that these events occurred. However, dot, dot, dot. And we all just started laughing. And we all, because we're like, wait a second. Nobody's ever said it's unfortunate. However, dot, dot. Nobody's ever said that to friends or family. That's only been something that you say when that's the press release that the lawyers at the company said, everybody, this is the company line is that it's unfortunate. However, dot, dot, dot. Uh, because it, it, that's one word, right? It's, it's saying unfortunate, but it's so cold and calculated in a way that ends up turning people off and even people can find humorous um, because of that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I'm ghostwriting a book now and I'm using fairly informal writing style and using words like thank you instead of just thanks because I know that people respond to the word you as probably the strongest word in the English language and Grammarly is flagging it every <laughs> single time. It's nuts. Uh, one last question before we can find more about uh, how we can work with you. What are your thoughts about AI in writing? I think that AI is a good second set of eyes. Um, it is a good companion to maybe talk to when you are doing something. Uh, but I think it is, it is a poor replacement at this moment for, um, anything beyond kind of the fluff writing right now. Uh, I think that it's really good about making things that look like the right answer. I mean, this has been the famous problem, right? It hallucinates an answer. So the, the best way to, to understand how it works is if you ask AI for a picture of you know, an iPhone painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Well, you know what? There's lots of different versions of that painting that are all feasibly the painting that Leonardo da Vinci could have painted of an iPhone. However, if you were asking for the bio of Abraham Lincoln, well, there's really only one factual bio of Abraham Lincoln. Um, it, but it can make a lot of things that look like the bio of Abraham Lincoln that have, you know, the right kind of words, the right kind of like accolades. It could say he won the Nobel Prize because you know what? People like him have won the Nobel Prize. And so that might be a thing that's feasibly there. But he obviously didn't because he predates the Nobel Prize by a century. So uh, that that's the big warning sign for it. It can give you things that look like English in the way that you in, in the way that it responds to your query. But it doesn't actually at this point, have the understanding behind what that means. Yeah, I'll close with one quick story. I was uh, working with a, a client of mine who's writing a financial planner, writing a book about financial planning for women, and I asked AI if they could write the back cover marketing copy for this book about financial planning for women. And it did a wonderful job and had a superb quote saying how wonderful the book was by Susie Orman. <laughs> the only trouble was the book hadn't been written yet. 
So there's no way that Susie Orman could have seen the book to have given this quote and had just pulled out this name from random, not from random, but it knew what it was doing. Like when a high authority person will take Susie Orman and just plopped it in there, as you say, hallucinating, which is another odd term that the technology world has given us to mask something of like plain damn wrong. Okay, Ben, <laughs> as we wrap up here, who is your ideal client and how can they get in touch with you? I appreciate that. Well, I hope that my my book is something that's useful to marketers. I hope that it's useful to leaders of all stripes, entrepreneurs. Um, I do a little bit of consulting as well. I, I work with a number of companies. I can do messaging audits and um, and I've done a number of other marketing strategy things. I used to run a marketing agency for 10 years. Um, and uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, I'd love to hear if this if this has been useful to you or if there's anything else I can help with. Uh, uh, my website is bengutman.com. It's uh, two T's and two N's. Everybody always uh, has to hear that over a podcast because, you know, my name's not minimal. It requires both of those. It requires the second N at the end of it, of course. Uh, otherwise, you can grab, connect with me on LinkedIn. You can buy Simply Put wherever books are sold. And uh, if you want to grab a free chapter of it, that's also on my website. So I encourage you to go grab that. Great. That Again, the name of the book is Simply Put. We'll put all that information in the show notes as well. And thank you, Ben, for being with us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we have more than 200 podcast episodes now, uh, so you can write your book in a flash. Good luck with your book. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.